0: The digital divide is real, but it's defined in so many different ways, depending on how you want to look at it. If you're in a leadership position in this industry, which is a privilege to be in, you know, you feel like it's incumbent on you to help contribute to, to closing that divide. And if you're explicitly in a role like mine, I mean, it's my day job.
1: This is TechCetera, a podcast by Ericsson about the intersection of technology, culture, etc. I'm your host, Sarah Goss, and I'm Head of Innovation at Ericsson. As we adjust to a COVID normal world that is more digitally reliant than ever, continuing to close the digital divide is critical. Some of the most digitally excluded people in Australia are low-income households, seniors, people who live in rural and remote Australia, people with a disability, and people with low levels of education and employment. In this episode of Tech Cetera, we delve into what it takes to create a truly digitally inclusive Australia. Today we'll speak with MBN Chief Development Officer Gavin Williams, a 25-year veteran of the information and communications technology sector. Gavin leads MBN's commitment to providing increased access to broadband services in regional and remote Australia. You'll also hear from Ericsson Australia and New Zealand Managing Director Emilio Romeo. With close to 30 years of industry experience, Emilio has been pivotal in driving business and technology evolution for Ericsson's customers across the region. So let's get stuck in. Gavin, tell me a bit more about your specific role within NBN and what motivates you around tackling the digital divide.
0: We acknowledged that we needed to shift our focus from building a network to working through how you can best utilise the national asset. Purpose in NBN... We like to think is to lift the digital capability of australia so we care not just about the wholesale broadband that we're selling services on but also about how we're enabling australia's digital future so look that sounds like a lofty ambition but the way we're tackling it in this business unit is to say well how can we give the best services that we can by bringing together fixed wireless and satellite products how can we continue to invest in our services to lift infrastructure and very much squarely focused on the context of the digital divide, how can we lift the direct number of community engagement professionals right across the country and shift our focus beyond basic connectivity to support communities and to support business sectors.
1: Emilio, you're Managing Director at Ericsson Australia and New Zealand. How has Ericsson partnered with NBN to support the work and the ambitions that Gavin just described?
2: Well, it's over 10 years since we've partnered with NBN since its beginnings. And we provide infrastructure and technology for the fixed wireless service and managed services as well and installation services for fixed wireless. So it's primarily in the regional and rural parts of Australia. So we find ourselves out in uh, Outback Australia pretty much every day and regional Australia to provide that infrastructure and services.
1: I want to pick up on the regional parts of Australia and how MBN, in partnership with Ericsson is providing that connectivity but before we do Gavin what do we mean when we refer to the digital divide?
0: In Australia we've got a device or a survey which has become almost like an industry standard it's called the Australian Digital Inclusion Index that actually measures that digital inclusion across three key factors being are you able to access the network being access is that access affordable so affordability and then digital ability, are you actually able, do you have the skills and, and digital literacy to use services? So, when you think about the context for my patch, there's challenges accessing fast and reliable broadband across a, a nation as big and sparsely populated as ours.
1: Emilio, building on that, if we think about digital inclusion and bridging the digital divide, why does it matter? So, if we get it right, what does it mean for Australians?
2: Getting it right really means that people from every corner of our country can fully participate in our society, in our economy and in our democracy. And if we think about digital equity, which is the outcome of the digital inclusion we just spoke about, that is really necessary for civic and cultural participation, employment, for lifelong learning. It means really access to essential services above all as well. It can be really, truly life-changing from going from not having that access to having that access of that uh, service and technology.
1: Gavin, when Emilio talks about participation by people in this country from every corner of the land, there are inherent in that some unique challenges that are faced in Australia. So when we think about connecting rural and remote communities, what have you encountered as those kind of really unique challenges in our environment?
0: The uh, challenge for MBN and Ericsson in the service delivery that Emilio spoke to is that our coverage spans as far east as Norfolk Islands in the Pacific Ocean to Christmas Island and Cocos Island in the middle of the Indian Ocean. Geography really, I think, is a massive challenge. We've defined our regional and remote patch. There's about three and a half million homes and businesses outside our capital city conurbations. Now, about a million of those are covered by fixed wireless and satellite services. So, it's this part of our business that covers the vast majority of the country by area. And to put that in perspective, the 600,000 homes covered by the fixed wireless service, that fixed wireless service covers an area roughly the size of Great Britain. So, look, there's unique challenges too. It means that almost by their nature, our fixed wireless and satellite products are not profitable in a commercial sense and therefore there's the added context of government policy and regulatory considerations so we're a statutory infrastructure provider and we've got a statutory levy that regional australia receives for our services that's materially it's really codifying across subsidy within nbn but we value that clarity of mandate that makes sure that we can make the right decisions to help close the digital divide
1: Certainly sounds like a lot of complexity in what you do. You've mentioned geography, topography, but technology has its part to play. Emilio, picking up actually on what Gavin spoke about around the technology capability, I can imagine that there's had to be a lot of innovation and ingenuity in overcoming the challenges that a unique environment like Australia provides. Can you talk about some of the things that Ericsson has done with NBN to deal with that and to bring broadband internet to the regional parts of Australia?
2: Sometimes we have technicians and installers driving nine hours one way just to get to a site. So what we've got to cater for is just sending a technician, let's say, from Romania to Portugal to do an install or do a a fix to make sure that Australians remain connected. And that drives us to explore and research and develop some technologies that are really driven by Australia in conjunction with NBN. And one of the ones we did drive recently was the extended range millimeter wave. So it's taking the latest and greatest technology, such as millimeter wave, and extending that to, you know, three or four times its reach that the world standards would have it simply because that's what we do need to address some of the challenges that Gavin said. That's just one of the examples. We have other examples where we've done some other world firsts with NBN, driven purely by that need and that strive to ensure that NBN customers get the best experience absolutely possible in the world.
1: Yeah, and pushing the limits of technology like that, extending the range multiple times over, with things like millimetre wave, what does that mean for Australians at the end of the day?
2: You'll end up with getting broader coverage, broader reach with less sites being built and faster speeds. It means lower latency and really having that continuous coverage.
1: I think the why is really important that you raised there because it's actually hard to fathom probably for a lot of people elsewhere around the world that somebody as part of their day-to-day job, would drive nine hours to visit a site and, you know, light up connectivity for somebody in a really remote area. So I wonder, Gavin, for you, when you think about the why and the purpose and why NBN goes to these lengths to serve customers like this, what does it come down to for you?
0: Well, I think there's the real situation when we launched with Ericsson our Skymaster service. We enabled people who were studying by distance education to see their classmates for the first time. We've seen people be able to avoid a thousand kilometer round trip to get a basic consultation with a cancer specialist. We see the economic opportunity for, for example, our agricultural sector to grow from a seventy billion dollar a year sector to a hundred billion dollar a year sector, the bulk of that increase in uh, value of farm gate sales is going to be on the back of broadband-enabled digital agriculture. And then you can get, you know, really specific. Some of the differences that are made in uh, our indigenous communities. And before uh, the MBN, you'd see, say, in a remote First Nations community, if they wanted to see what their bank balance was, they might have to go to uh, an automatic teller that would be in the local shop, but they should be charged something like $3 just to get a bank balance. When, of course, we'd all take for granted just being able to log on and just see whether uh, payments have been made. Lanapoi Homelands in East Arnhem Land, we've installed to homeland clinics, remote clinics, uh, our Skymaster services that enable people to get health consultations on
2: country. Some of the examples that Gavin mentioned there, they're still they're really life-changing for some people it's you know for us it's about sharing those stories openly you know some of the initiatives and to ensure that those with low incomes stay connected and or it could be providing communications tools for women facing domestic violence you know having some activities designed to better include people with disabilities and I think if that's one thing that this pandemic has shown us that it's not limited to people with disability that some of us are stuck at home because of the lockdowns that we've experienced.
1: Gavin, you mentioned earlier that part of what NBN has to do is really proactively think about community engagement in the rural and remote communities. Can you describe to us what this involves, particularly the way you've worked with Indigenous communities in Australia?
0: We've expanded the number of community engagement professionals across the country, where in the past we had a small number, about eight people representing regional Australia on the ground. We've now got about 70, but importantly, they cover the length and breadth of the country from Bunbury to uh, Cairns. These individuals are on the ground, they're speaking to councils to local business chambers to local old age seniors committees working through what does MBN need to do on the ground with place specific kind of initiatives to help in digital inclusion beyond that we've also bulked up uh, what i call outside in thought leadership in a few target sectors health education tourism the arts agriculture and uh, first nations we've hired a head of uh, indigenous affairs who actually used to be he tells me he was quite a successful footy player. So for Australians listening to this, that's Australian rules. Played for Essendon and Port Adelaide. Chay Cockatoo Collins, quite a well-known uh, fixture. How
1: can you not know him? How can you say, oh, he tells me he's a, you know, was a well-known footy player? Everybody knows him. That's- By the way, the Bombers are my team.
0: <laughs> oh, there you go. Shay's just brought an enormous amount of experience. And he's not a technologist, but he is someone that understands the implications of fast and reliable broadband into First Nations communities, actually whether that's remote communities or urban-based Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islanders. And that's directly impacting the awareness of the NBN, the opportunities for digital enablement, to get access to services, to get access to education, to light up Indigenous art centres, for example, which is a project we're just about to undertake. I'm proud to be part of a nation that has the world's oldest living culture through our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders and it's manifesting through the um, Aboriginal art sector.
1: With the work of Shay Cockatoo Collins as the Head of Indigenous Affairs at NBN, that had to stem from somewhere internally within NBN to invest and to structure your organisation and then to bring in the, a person with that connection to those communities that you're seeking to engage. And I'm aware that MBN has a Reconciliation Action Plan, a RAP. Could you tell us about where that started and where it's evolved to?
0: The initial focus of our Reconciliation Action Plan really was to get us on an internal reconciliation journey. And that includes an amount of cultural awareness and embedding practices like acknowledgement of country and those kinds of things. You know, it sounds pretty basic now, but if you go back in time, you know, there was certainly uh, a need to focus on some of those culturally significant things. And we also, as an organisation, wanted to look at our footprint, both direct and indirect, to make sure that we were recruiting First Nations folk and looking at our spend with companies led by First Nations owners and leaders. And our focus now is really uh, building on that to get Indigenous communities connected, to get First Nations individuals connected safely.
1: You've both talked about the impact of the pandemic. Emilio, it's fair to say in society the fault lines were already there pre-pandemic when it comes to some parts of our society, more disadvantaged, not as digitally included. But what does that mean now? The lessons learned from our COVID experience as a leader of a big organisation with the potential to impact the lives of all Australians, what's incumbent and what's front of mind for you as a leader of an organisation to think about the things we must take forward to ensure we don't leave people behind and those fault lines don't get wider in the community?
2: As Gavin mentioned, the Australian Digital Index, I think we need to continue to drive to ensure affordability, to ensure access We also need to drive it from an environmental and sustainability point of view as well. But if we stop for a minute and look at the great digital assets and technologies that we have in this country, we can really, really leverage that and drive that. If I look at sustainability, for example, and looking at the environment, studies have shown that by 2030, digital technologies can reduce greenhouse gas emissions across industries by 15%. What we do need to think about when we think about digital inclusion, it's not just for individuals, as you mentioned, Sarah, and communities, but also for organisations and enterprises, because this includes not just big organisations like ours, but also the huge numbers of Australian small and medium businesses that we have, so we can't forget those as well. And if I look at NBN CEO Stephen Rue, what he said, he actually, just recently, he mentioned that businesses with fewer than 20 employees employ 46% of the Australian workforce and contribute a third, in fact, 35% of the Australian gross domestic product. And he spoke how the nation's small businesses are now accelerating the digitisation of the economy, which is great to see. There's more work to be done. I think some of the activities at NBN with support from the likes of ourselves are doing will really hold us in good stead going forward for communities, individuals and businesses and also the country as a whole.
1: Gavin, what's your perspective on how COVID-19 has changed things? What's important moving forward from your perspective?
0: Service providers across the board, across the economy, have responded to COVID by shifting things from face-to-face or offline to online and it's um, You know, some sectors like the health sector would say that it short circuited a decade of structural reform as we um, shifted to telehealth as one example. So there's no doubt in my mind that that acceleration will have an enduring impact. And I'm, I'm starting to see actually that it's almost like we've transitioned from a spot where we're taking offline service delivery and trying to make it online to innately building kind of online services and actually struggling now to say, well, For people that aren't digitally included, what do we do about that? And, you know, a a recent case study in my family is my uh, parents-in-law trying to get a COVID vaccine certificate without a smartphone or uh, an online MyGov account. It is very difficult. So when you're confronting the fact that so many services now are innately online, that many businesses, as, as Amelia said, are accelerating their digital transformation, it's almost a stronger imperative to make sure nobody's left behind because that service provision safety net is in danger of evaporating almost.
1: Gavin, I have to ask you, did you become the help desk for your parents-in-law when they were trying to navigate getting their proof of their vaccine and their MyGov certificate?
0: Let's just say it required a call to um, the local federal member.
1: (laughs) Very good. (laughs) Very good. But, I mean, on a serious note, you were talking up front earlier about the notion of digital ability. So it's one thing to provide the fast, you know, internet, the high-speed broadband to these people, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're away and ready to go. So can you describe some of the things that MBN is doing, particularly in the area of education and lifting the ability of some of the more disadvantaged or marginalised groups in utilising tech and being able to benefit from it?
0: There's stuff that we've, we've done over quite a long period, for example, with our community ambassadors going into pensioner groups armed with iPads and smartphones and demonstrating how you can, you know, not to be scared of these devices, but just jump on. In the last 18 months, we've launched actually a, a bricks and mortar centre in Batemans Bay. So this was partly in response to some of the bushfires and part to help our recovery for the community down there. But that's giving us a great opportunity to um, get really deeply engaged with those communities and see how we can tune our digital literacy service offering. And it's an interesting thought, isn't it? That we want to simultaneously help the digital leaders continue to lift and accelerate, but just support individuals that are just going on that journey, just to start making that first confidence step. So to that end, we've actually just released a digital capability tool that enables people who fair play need to have access to jump on the tool to self-assess where they are, you know what rung of the ladder, if you like, they are in terms of their digital ability and then just giving them some very practical resources to start moving.
1: Emilio, for us here, we live and breathe this every day, we take for granted the digital ability that we have. Is there a time that sort of sticks in your mind where it was a little bit of an aha moment for you where you saw somebody who doesn't have the literacy? with technology that we take for granted and you realise that and say oh like this is some of the basics that we still have to support people around.
2: My mum even more so similar to to Gavin's experience uh, you know the vaccination certification the MyGov what have now become basic services and essential services that we need. It's pretty hard it's pretty hard for them not being able to even download the certificate and, you know, having to walk around with a paper copy that takes weeks for them to get. And other things like during the lockdown, the inability to go to a bank branch, you know, my mum still loves to go to the bank with a little bank book, you know, so transferring her to a card when COVID hit so she can do online shopping and the ability to do online banking still, when you sit with them, it can be a horrifying experience just. You know, they feel like they're giving up control because they're no longer feeling and touching. The bank book is an example, right? All of a sudden, it's all digital. So anything that we can do there and what NBN is doing and what Gavin just mentioned is is absolutely welcome.
1: Is there anything that surprised you, Emilio, as we've lived through the last almost two years and Gavin talked about the acceleration and the step change and the how we've condensed progress in sectors like health and elsewhere? Is there anything through this where you think to yourself, wow, like I just never would have thought that or that's really surprised me?
2: I think the speed of take up, I think we've all become mobile applications experts, right? Everybody from pretty much infants to 100-year-olds, they all know about applications. And if I think back in over 20 years ago when I was heading up a group called Wireless Applications, where IT and telecoms was was converging and trying to market wireless and mobile e-commerce in 1999.
1: In our organisations, we're full of engineers. We do have a lot of technologists, but a lot of the challenges we're trying to overcome, problems we're trying to solve, and the needs we're trying to meet of the people we've talked about today are people who are not technologists necessarily or even engineers. So... How does the value of being somebody who understands tech but is not a technologist play in terms of the teams at Ericsson that need to be brought together to do what we do?
2: I come back and I've had this discussion yesterday with some of our dear technologists who were doing a sales pitch to me and I said to them, the old start with what problem are we trying to resolve? What's the solution or feature to resolve that? And as an engineering company, we tend to stop there. So we've got a problem and here's a solution. And then I push them to look at the next thing, which is the benefit. So problem, feature, benefit. And we do a lot of feature marketing rather than benefit marketing. Because a benefit is really what do you get out of that technology? So if we just stop at that, we won't necessarily apply to the best benefit. And that's why... Diversity is so critical in, in different backgrounds and gender and, and so on because you need to look at things from different angles and different views as opposed to just as a technologist. And that's why coming back to why we're we doing what we're doing and why do we have this technology and what's the driver behind the technology and what's the benefit, not just what problem are we resolving and how. What is the benefit of it? So for us, it's absolutely critical. And in fact, emotional quotient plays a big part in the talent that we have to bring on board. It's not just great engineers, which of course we need those as well who in addition to that will also have that EQ, a high EQ as well and might not be technical.
1: Gavin, if you think about what Emilio is saying around the application of technology for benefits rather than just technology's sake, and drawing on diverse talent to tackle problems and challenges and even opportunities for that matter ahead of us what's your view of the outlook in Australia in terms of where to from here where we're at what we can do better at and how optimistic or not you feel about our ability to get there
0: been a long time since i've been in a hands-on engineer but in my cv my resume at the time i'd say uh, i like to apply technology for customer benefit and i think uh, you know it's a shout out to any engineers listening i think that it riles me when people talk about creativity and then there's engineers but for me the best engineers are creative and they're empathetic and they uh, you know they're reaching into customer need as you said having said that we certainly have benefited by having that uh, that outside in kind of thinking but that, that has given us an opportunity and that community engagement actually has given us an opportunity to see some absolutely remarkable innovation, sometimes stemming indeed from the challenges of you know, being on the wrong side of the digital divide, but as they say that adversity can often bring innovation. I've seen brilliant ideas enabled, I've seen economic opportunities being realised, I've seen cultural barriers being broken down. So yeah, that makes me really optimistic that through the work we're doing, and you don't want to be too highfalutin about it, I mean, we're kind of an ingredient to the solution, but if we can help lift digital inclusion to give our most vulnerable populations the opportunity for themselves to unlock that innovation, to participate, not just in the Australian society and economy, but the global society and economy, great opportunity to continue to build a uh, rich and inclusive nation.
1: Emilio, how do you think Australia is placed relatively to other countries in the world when it comes to bridging the digital divide and being more digitally inclusive?
2: Australia is ranked number one for five years in a row when it comes to wireless technology. And some of the ingredients or some of the measures that they include in that is affordability, coverage, accessibility to coverage, to the technology, handsets availability, they look at all sorts of things. If I look at that, we've ranked number one for five years running in the GSMA analysis. And if then we think about the areas that we are covering through NBN, which is fixed wireless and satellite, which is beyond fixed broadband, then I would say we rank very, very well. I mean, personally, when I travel around in some various different parts of the world, I can say in some countries, I didn't have to travel too far out of the city to lose coverage. So if you stop and think what I was saying before, how far and the extent that MBN is going, where we have to drive nine hours to get to a customer's house, I would say from that point of view, we're doing quite well, but we still have work to do. We still have a lot of work to do. I think we probably will never be happy to where we reach and we should continue to evolve because as technology becomes available we're going to continue to do it better and as people use it more they're going to want faster and bigger and better and so on so I don't think we'll ever stop.
1: A final comment from you Gavin any final thoughts and reflections on this idea of bridging the digital divide?
0: The digital divide is real but it's defined in so many different ways, depending on how you want to look at it. If you're in a leadership position in this industry, which is a privilege to be in, feel like it's incumbent on you to help contribute to, to closing that divide. And if you're explicitly in a role like mine, I mean, it's my day job. We have a great opportunity, a great baseline with the NBN and other initiatives. I think Ericsson can be very proud of its contribution for building out coverage for our least digitally included citizens. So always staring into the challenge, being adaptable in the way that We provide services and adapt our technologies and responding to innovations in certain sectors to make sure we can enable those in other sectors. But it's a rewarding journey to be on.
1: Is there anything, Emilio, that you would like to say in closing?
2: One reflection I have is that, and that is the thought that communications is not just a basic human need, but a basic human right that everyone should have access to and that's what's underpinned how our strategy and how we design our products as well to ensure we take into account the extreme conditions in various countries and the energy efficiencies that we need with each evolution of the product and uh, the extended coverage of some of the capabilities and features we have for those countries that need it. So it's really far reaching and that's been a fundamental thought which is extremely well aligned to the NBN vision to provide that telecommunications technology to every Australian, regardless of where they're at and regardless of background and regardless of the ability to learn and interpret the technology. Very much aligned and I feel that's why we've worked very well as a partner with NBN because of the alignment of that vision as well, which is really ingrained in the culture of Ericsson as well.
1: Thank you so much, Gavin Williams, Emilio Romeo, for joining TechCetera today. It sounds like we've got a common outlook as far as we're on a journey and this is work in progress. So maybe we might be having another chat soon on this podcast. But for now, thank you so much.
2: Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Gavin. Thank you.
1: You've been listening to TechCetera. A podcast about the intersection of technology, culture, etc. This podcast was produced by Ericsson. For 130 years and counting, Ericsson has been innovating to deliver the best of mobile connectivity and broadband to billions of people around the world, driving positive change in every sector of our society. To find out more, head to our website at ericsson.com. To guarantee you don't miss an episode of Tech Cetera, be sure to subscribe to or follow the show in your podcast app. And while you're there, leave us a five-star review. It really helps others find the show. I'm Sarah Goss, and I'll be back next episode with more Tech Cetera.